Welcome to Generations. This is Kevin Swanson, Bill Jack with me as well in this edition. Coming back to popular culture, partially because we live in this culture. It's impossible to escape the culture. Now, there's some who don't watch movies at all. Thankfully, filtering has helped uh, somewhat in movie watching, but you can't filter out a worldview. Everything no. about that? You and, can't filter out a worldview. And isn't it interesting that we, we sometimes gag at a gnat? Yeah. And we swallow a camel. Sam, swallow the wrong worldview. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, and we, we see that with mm-hmm. uh, with Lion King. Yeah. It was promoted by Christian organizations as being excellently done, which it was. And it was great for family because there were no objectionable cuss words. No words. cuss words. Yeah. But they missed the worldview. They sure did, yeah. Missed, uh, missed the whole very worldview. Sad, very sad. Well, a Tucker Carlson, probably the favorite conservative talk show host among Christians and conservatives today. Tucker Carlson... And this, this showed up on a couple of news feeds this morning. He used the F word to describe warmongers among the Republicans, some Republican congressmen. Mm-hmm. Elon Musk has done the same thing recently. And I think just a lot of conservative leaders that hold a lot of respect on the part of conservatives and Christians are increasingly using the F word. And I guess what we'd call profane language. Mm-hmm. And I think they're generally regarded as cool. And I, I think, think that's part think of they why are. they do it. They want, they're trying to relate to their audience. They think they're trying to relate to their audience. Yeah, and maybe so. So, mm-hmm. so they, they, they descend to the lowest common denominator. Rather than elevate the conversation, they demean the conversation. And the F word, I think, is generally considered today to be the most offensive word in the English language. Basically referring to raping this or that. Yeah. And so I don't it's even, a violent I, word. I don't even like to use the word rape very much, except for the fact that it's, you know, it's used in legal terms and it's something that happens. It's a criminal offense that uh, is fairly common in our day. And yet now a word is being used that's even more profane, I guess you would say. To describe this particular action. It's terrible. It's terrible. And now it's insulting to men and women created in the image of God. Right. When you talk about men and women getting raped and you do it in a light manner using profane language as if you're supportive of the idea. Mm -hmm. Now we're just trying to speak the truth here. Yeah, just trying to get the truth on the matters, table. Because the language you use carries ideas. It does, right. And ideas have consequences. And you, and you can't just run around the house with a mace, you know, breaking vases all day long, and you can't just say whatever you want to say. Now, we'll get to some of the scriptural passages relating to the use of the tongue as, as we go. But here's one, James 3, 8. No man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Isn't that right? Mm-hmm. With it, we bless our God and Father, and with it, we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God or the image of God. So, in other words, when you're using this word, God takes offense to this. Why? Because here are his creatures made in his image, and you're, you're, you're using the vilest possible violent language in reference to them. Out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing my brethren, these things ought not to be so. Now, comedians would use this word for the shock value. People like Robin Williams, Eddie Murphy, People like this would 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 use it in the 1980s. It's very George, common. George Carlin came out with his seven words you can't say on television. That was 50 years ago. And they'd or use 45 it, years They'd ago. use it for shock value, and I think it was a cheap way to get some cheap laughs. It's a shortcut. 
for comedians mm-hmm. to get it, it's easy to get a laugh because people are perhaps a little embarrassed it might be a laugh of embarrassment right it might just be a, a laugh that occurs because they don't know what else to do but nevertheless you can get some cheap laughs by using foul language or also sometimes people do this as it's forbidden it's taboo in a society but they're getting away with it yeah and it's, it's a, a little bit of a rebellious you know, like your four-year-old doing something to offend mommy or daddy, and he's getting away with it, yeah. and he's impressing his little friends as he, he does you so. Know, he passes gas at the at the dinner table, yeah. and everybody and, giggles. Yeah, right. And when they're when they're two to four years old, something like that may be cute, but you don't want them doing that when they're forty years old. Well, and and let's just say there's a worldview aspect to the absolutely massive use of this horrible, horrible language in our society today. And it is a very destructive form of language. And it, it, it objectifies women yeah. and men. Yes, 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 yes. And, and therefore, in, in, it in demeans a, the, the most the demeaning and violent way. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It demeans the, the image of the creator that we all bear and have. It has a socially suicidal bent to it. Mm-hmm. That is, it's, it's a way to put a gun to the head of a society, the entire society, and pull a trigger. That's what we're talking about here. It's a deconstructive worldview. Expressed it's it's through. much like if you if you're not intelligent enough to carry on a conversation, you say you know, you know, you know, yeah. you know, you know what I'm talking about. You know what I mean. Well, nobody knows what you mean. You're just you're just dragging you're, on and on and on. Yes, and mm-hmm. that word that is so profane and violent and crass and crude is that in spades. It is. It's the lack of an intelligent response in, a, in in the ability to debate an issue the first it's curse word the first curse word was used in a hollywood film in 1929 first time it was used mm, not not that word but a curse word mm. uh course uh gone with the wind right the famous movie in which god's judgment is made light of you remember that right mm-hmm. and so it's hollywood that tends to lead the cultural standards and it's Hollywood that defines cool, right? Sure. Cause, cause these 16, 18 year olds, they attend these movies and they go, well, wow, that's a cool movie. And they used all this bad language. I think I'm going to copy it. So I think there is something of a standard set by the Hollywood movie industry. And this deconstructive postmodern worldview was brought into play in 1970. Bill, the first use of the word was in MASH, the the movie MASH in nineteen seventy. Korean War. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh so so that's when this deconstructive worldview was first brought to play in the movies. And by the time you get to the nineteen eighties, Scarface Platoon is mass producing the world world as well. So by the eighty eighty three, eighty six you're no longer just taking God's name in vain. I don't want to say just taking God's name in vain, but now it's moving into some of the more violent forms of language. Now, we need to say from the outset that it is a sin to take God's name in vain. Right. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. The Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. I would argue that it is more egregious to offend God than it is to offend our fellow man. Right. Now, I, I, I do believe it's wrong to use this language and thereby interrupt and and offend the image of god but i i think to 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 take god's name in vain is is far worse right and there you have such an intense 
judgment placed upon those who will, uh, without any kind of a penitent heart, without any repentance, without turning to Jesus and asking forgiveness for sins, God will not hold them guiltless who takes his name in vain. Right. And that truth still holds to this day. Well, I want to take a break and we're going to talk a little bit more about just the general use of language from a scriptural perspective that next. Hello, my friends. For the last 15 years, the Generations team has produced a Christian curriculum specifically for families who want to give their children a God-centered, Bible-saturated, biblical worldview-based education. Our commitment is to restore the Christian faith, generational faith in an age where we are losing faith in this country and almost anywhere around the world where Christian children attend secular schools or use secular curriculum and imbibe secular culture. Now, we're not relying on the pre-Christian Greeks for an educational model here. We're not relying on the post-Christian secularists for the education model either. Our curriculum is based in a biblical worldview. We put hundreds of Bible verses in the history books and integrate the truths into the subjects. We want to glorify God on every page of the science books. We immediately integrate knowledge into life application and natural revelation with special revelation. We keep Christ at the very center of the history books with preparing the world for Jesus and taking the world for Jesus. I believe God is calling this generation in this highly secularized age to a radical change in how they disciple their children. Please check out our program for education of your children and grandchildren at www.generations.org. And we're back on Generations, discussing profane language and why Christians have no part of this. Now, we hear this language, and some of these movies, Bill, I could not believe it. They, uh, they employ the word two to six times per minute, and that's the rate of use in these movies. Two to six times every 30 seconds. I'm not sure you have another word in the English language that has been so abused and used and reused over and over again as this word in our society today, especially when it comes to movies. Uh, some movies have this word repeated 400 to 800 times. So in other words... You get the idea somebody's trying to pound a worldview into our cross. Either that or these are very poor script writers. They can't do yes, dialogue exactly. very well. Yeah, I guess that's a possibility too. But I'm talking about movies like, I mean, these are famous movies like Scarface and Platoon. And I go on and on. Goodfellas, probably. Goodfellas, yeah, those mm-hmm. sorts of movies. Okay. Um, now, here's, here's one of the things I want to address because I noticed that. When the gloves come off with some of our Christian and conservative friends, they do revert to foul language. In other words, when they're in this fighting mode, you know they're they're taking down the the big bad worldview enemies to the Christian faith. They will sometimes employ language like this right. when they're going after ideas or policies with which they vehemently disagree. Somehow, they think it's appropriate to use this kind of language. Now, I think the best example for us all is Jesus. Make sense? Jesus is a good example. It is true that some situations call for stronger language. I get that. That's good. We can appreciate the use of stronger language. Jesus uses stronger language to describe the hypocritical Pharisees in Matthew 23, but he did not use the F word. Mm-hmm. Okay? I mean, let's, let's be clear about this. Men like brute force. Men think they can get things done by brute force. 
But, you know, Moses did not enter the promised land because he struck the rock with his rod. Out of anger. Yeah. And so we have to be very, very cautious with this. Strong language, repetitive use of sarcasm and irony can actually blunt the effect. Well, I mean, think about repeating the same word 600 times. You think the effect might have been blunted somewhat by that? As far as your perspective of the problems, the, the sin involved with rape, for example, use the rape word 600 times inside an hour and a half. You're probably blunting something of the meaning of it and the effect of it. Uh, So keep that in mind. The seriousness by which we consider a matter may actually be depreciated by the use of force or violence. Same thing, by the way, with violent scenes in movies. Same thing can happen. We can actually become desensitized desensitized to it. Exactly. Uh, So there is, in the end, less fear of God by the use of this unsober language. That's the point. You undermine your own sobriety, and you are actually not taking the issue as seriously as you should take it because of your use of profane or violent language in relation to it. Now, here, there's well, also the, we do that inadvertently sometimes in prayers, in public prayers. We often say, use, use the word Lord in direct address, but we use it repeatedly when it's unnecessary. Right. You know, if I said, hey, Kevin, would you pass the salt, Kevin? Please, Kevin, pass the salt. Kevin, would you please pass the salt, Kevin? That's unnecessary. It's actually it, does appear to be something of a taking of Kevin's name in vain. It does. It does, you know. Yeah. And in a lot of public prayers, I hear people, Christians, in, well-intentioned, doing that. And it's, it's a similar thing. It's taking God's name lightly, using it lightly. And there is the prohibition against that. But by repeating a word over and over, Jesus said you don't, you don't pray as the, as the pagans do by repeating phrases over and over. And so we shouldn't, we shouldn't use words loosely, especially God's name. But when we're talking about this profane word, it desensitizes us to its impact, to the violence that's inherent in that word. Mm-hmm. And here's one more point I think I want to make is that, you know, somebody is out there, he's, he's the cool guy, he's, he's getting the bad guy and uses the F word. That's not cool. Mm-hmm. That is not cool. In, in, in the right definition of the word cool, if the word cool is that which is right, that which is commendable, right. that which is something I need to copy, emulate, emulate etc. It's not cool. That's an arrogant shaking of the fist in the face of God and his creation. A uh, few verses here. Let me just run through a few of these verses. Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for the building up, for the building up, as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. So here you have a couple of requirements. One is that uh, the end result of what you're doing is edifying the person that you're talking to. He's not being defiled, but edified by the conversation. And it's giving grace, and it fits the occasion. It's, it's appropriate to the occasion. We're not overstating the case. We're not bringing in language that is uh, actually undermining our case, but is that which is fitting for the case. Uh, Ephesians 5.4, let there be no filthiness or foolish talk or crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. So again, the, the positive. And, and sometimes, you know, when we're, attacking different things, different ideas or positions or what have you, we get 
give people the impression that we're not actually thankful, we're not actually relying upon God's work, we're not seeing that there will be a good effect of the kingdom of Jesus in the world. We, we, we give way to a very negative sort of pessimistic out, outlook in terms of what's going to happen. Matthew 12, 36, 37, Jesus says this, I tell you on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak, for by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't necessarily believe that that is applied to Christians who will be justified by their works. But I do believe that Jesus will bring in judgment upon the way that we lived our lives, and it will affect the the the, the rewards, the, the rewards we that yeah. we will receive. Yeah. So I think that's you know one way to take it. Everybody but, gets streets of gold, okay? Yeah, everybody gets the streets of gold. <laughs> but, but but there are rewards is, in heaven be, and, yeah. and mm-hmm. for those who are faithful, and and that includes not just our actions but our thoughts and our language and it seems to me that uh that we need to be fearing god here because we're going to give account for every careless word we spoke uh matthew 15 10 to 11 as well he called the people to him and said to them hear and understand it is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person but what comes out of the mouth that defiles a person which means that as you're using evil language and, and you're pouring out evil language, whether it be cursing somebody or using the F word or what have you, that is actually a defiling and a corrupting influence upon yourself mm-hmm. and upon the people that are listening to you. Yeah. So I think that's what our Lord is bringing out there. So friends, we're talking about not taking God's name in vain. We're talking about being very careful with the use of sexual terms, reference to sexual organs in a profane way, in an inappropriate way. We're also talking about words that are used as a means of complaining. Sometimes, you know, people might even say something like, oh, shoot, or rats, or what have you. Be careful. That, that may be language that is not edifying and may actually be compl- complaining against God. You know, mm-hmm. we're, we're actually whining against the way providence worked things out for us. So we have to be very cautious with our words. Now, references to excrement. I want to touch on this for just a moment. Uh, not excrement, but words relating to excrement. Um, You're not supposed to touch anything unclean. That's right. right. Uh, But bringing up human waste in a conversation is a downer. I would say generally it's not edifying. Now, there are exceptions to that. You know, occasionally my wife and I will update one another on our bodily functions, our health situation. And my wife is a nurse, so this is a big deal for her. (laughs) We've tried to avoid doing it around the dinner table for obvious reasons. Why? Right? Because it's not appropriate for the situation. But it is appropriate for us to perhaps update one another as to our health situation. If you Uh, went to the doctor, you would be be doing the same thing. You would be very blunt about your health situation. Sure, but we have to be very cautious with the the use of these words, that they not be defiling and discouraging and depressing and get people focusing on the wrong things. Who wants to sit around thinking about, you know, cow excrement all day long? Do you really want to think about that? You're such a romantic, aren't you? (laughs) <laughs> well, it's not edifying. The point is it's not edifying. And referring to someone's perspective or opinion as bull excrement. Now, you've heard this before, I'm sure, right? Yeah. Okay. So you, somebody gives an opinion and you say, well, that's bull excrement. Cow excrement, number one, is, is not wor- worthless, for one thing. It's actually used to fertilize fields. It can be a blessing, and I think we should keep that in mind. But the profane word for it is distracting. and tends to be corrupting to the people that you're talking to. 
and it does not accurately convey the idea that you're trying to bring about. That's the other thing. So you're not really speaking the truth here. The expression is intended to be purely insulting, but as Christians, we're not called to insult people. We're called to speak the truth. And so if somebody's argument lacks cohesiveness, then don't, don't say, well, that's the excrement of a cow. No, no. What you say is your argument lacks cohesiveness, and it's not based in the truth of God's word. Now, now that's just saying the truth, okay? We, we spoke yeah. the truth there. So, so that's the way we're, we're, we're supposed to do it. God has not called us to the wrath of man, to grumbling, to insult people, to look cool by engaging in arrogant language. God has called us to overcome evil with good. God has called us to bless those that curse us. He's called us to edify and to build up and to speak the truth in love. So that's what he's called us to. And wow, language is powerful, as James said. Yeah. You know, it can destroy, it can create, it can bless and curse. And, and we 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 are admonished to to encourage our children. So you don't use that language to when you're trying to encourage your children. So you shouldn't use it with adults. And I noticed you use the word excrement, and that's a that's appropriate, and it mm-hmm. it's appropriate and polite company. Mm-hmm. You can say that word from the pulpit, and nobody would get upset with you at all, as long as you brought it into the right context. Yeah, but right. if you use the slang word for that. Mm-hmm. People would gasp, and they probably would would run you out of the pulpit on a rail. Now, there, that brings up an interesting question. We we've talked about the prohibition against taking God's name in vain. That's a very clear prohibition in Scripture. But why are there certain words for bodily functions that are acceptable in polite company, where there are certain words for that same bodily function that are totally inappropriate and unacceptable in polite company. A friend of mine pointed out that this goes back to the Battle of Hastings in 1066, where the Normans, the French, defeated the Anglo-Saxons. And so the Normans, the French, ascended to the throne of England. And therefore, French became the official language of the court. If you wanted to be accepted in the court at that time, you spoke French. And the common language, or what the Latin term is, vulgar, and we use it in that sense too, the vulgar words were from the Anglo-Saxon. So it's interesting, the words that we use in polite company that are acceptable all have a French origin. The words that are unacceptable in public come from the Anglo-Saxon. So what do you say to people who say, well, pardon my French? What do they you say to they should be saying, pardon my Anglo-Saxon. Oh, okay. Okay. okay right. So They've got it reversed. Right. The, the words that are acceptable come from the French because it was the language of the court. It was the language of the king. So we need to teach our children Mm-hmm. To use the language of the king, right. not the king common Jesus. or the vulgar mm-hmm. language. Yeah. I don't want them to be common. I want them to be accepted in the court of the king. And so, therefore, we are to edify one another. We're to use the proper language. Even though there's no prohibition against those particular words, it is I want them to speak the language of the king. I want them to be accepted in the king's court. I want them to have a higher standard than what is common to the culture, what is vulgar. I want them to be set apart. And so even though there's no prohibition against those words, there's a reason that we use certain words 
language matters and there's a there's a reason for everything that we do according to God's word and sometimes it plays out into history mm. so interesting tidbit of history yeah. good using the language of the king versus what is vulgar. Thank you, Bill. And that will wrap up this edition of the Generations Broadcast. And friends, I encourage you to our book, Epoch, The Rise and Fall of the West. Uh, we go through the development of uh, Christian culture and the decline of Christian culture in the Western world. We've got an entire chapter on that in book, Epoch, The Rise and Fall of the West, to better understand where we are today as we have abandoned Christian foundations, especially in our culture. That book is available at generations.org. This is Kevin Swanson and Bill Jack inviting you back again next time as we continue to lay down a vision for the next generation.